Good evening and welcome to the Community Call, a monthly youth workers conference call hosted by the General Youth Division of the United Pentecostal Church International and sponsored by your generous giving to Sheaves for Christ. This is Michael Lindsay. I'm joined tonight by our Director of Promotion, Justin Ranking. He will be leading the Q&A segment of our call just a few moments later. You can ask questions via Twitter if you will use the hashtag AskGYD and we would love to field your questions tonight with our special guest. It is the wonderful holiday season. We hope you've had a great Thanksgiving recently and Merry Christmas to everybody. I love this time of the year. About ready to get the fireplace going. We've got a cold front coming into St. Louis this week as does most of the country. Well, you're not on this call for a weather report so we'll get moving right along. This is community call number five and we are thrilled to have each of you on with us tonight, whether you are joining live or via the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join us. No matter your title or specific role that you fill in local youth ministry, you're valued and appreciated, and you are making an eternal difference. You make youth ministry in the UPCI possible. The success of the GYD depends 100% upon successful local youth ministry. So thank you for doing what you do. The purpose of the GYD is to educate and engage for students to know our apostolic identity and our apostolic mission. And we appreciate you partnering with us to achieve that goal in this generation. I want us to begin tonight's call with prayer. Thankful for the opportunity that we have to be able to invite the presence of the Lord into everything that we do. And we want him to join us on this call tonight. Lord, we thank you for your blessings to us. We thank you for this wonderful season that we're celebrating. And I thank you for the youth workers who have joined us on this call tonight. I pray your blessings upon them, their ministries, the youth groups that they are leading. You know some of them tonight, challenges that they're facing. No doubt there are some difficult circumstances. Perhaps someone tonight has come to this call and they just need the encouragement to know that you are with them and you are for them. And I pray that the anointing of the Holy Ghost would rest upon each and every member, every youth worker, every youth committee member who's listening tonight. God, we thank you for our special guest who is with us. We pray you would speak through him to empower and equip our listeners tonight. We thank you for it, and we pray it all in the name of Jesus. I want to remind you of our hashtags tonight. Number one, if you want to ask any questions of our speaker, you can use the hashtag AskGYD. Or if you want to just quote something you hear tonight on Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, use the hashtag GYDTCC. stands for GYD, the Community Call. Very thankful to have our special guest with us tonight, Brother Akil Thompson. He is, first of all, a Christian. He's also a husband and a father and a very effective minister of the gospel. He's also a personal friend, and I'm, I'm grateful for his friendship in my life. For 13 years, he was a bivocational minister while working in corporate banking. For over 20 years, he has served in different pastoral roles in Virginia, and Texas, and Florida, where he currently resides with his family. He's been a youth pastor. He has been a youth president of the Virginia District. Recently, he spoke at the Pensacola Hyphen Tour Stop and just did an absolute fantastic job speaking about worldview. It was a life-changing session. But tonight, he is with us on the community call. And he's speaking on this topic of developing leaders in youth ministry, such a key topic as we pursue a youth ministry model that is sustainable 
and transferable from one leader to the next and from one generation to the next. Brother Thompson, we are very thankful to have you on the call with us tonight. Welcome. Take it away. Thank you, Brother Enzi. I appreciate the opportunity to be with everybody on the call tonight. I just say God bless you and thank you to everybody that took time out of your evening to be with us. I'm going to ask that you just open up your Bible, your Bible app. I want you to either write this particular passage down. I'm going to reference it throughout tonight's discussion. It's 1 Samuel 17, 17 through 29. 1 Samuel 17, 17 through 29. But to be sensitive to your calendar in the evening, I won't read that entire passage tonight. I do want to open up by talking about the importance of purpose. I, I didn't grow up in church. I was very thankful for an elderly woman who I had absolutely nothing in common with but connected with. She was really a church mother to me. I had an opportunity to visit with her uh, just here in thanks for Thanksgiving holiday, and it reminded me. I just was flooded with a number of memories of how she really shaped and influenced my life. I had it was just really a privilege to have her fingerprints all over me. And each of us have these providential relationships. And for many of you all that are, no matter what your role may be, whether you're a student pastor, a Sunday school teacher, serving on the youth team, whatever the case may be, I believe you too are serving in a providential role to greatly influence this generation. The scripture, especially if you are a parent, you're very familiar with this. The scripture says in the 22nd proverb to train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The message, if you read that paraphrase, it says point your kids in the right direction. When they're old, they won't be lost. I refer to that because I'm very grateful for Gloria Hicks who pointed me in the right direction. I say that because you all are pointing young people, college-age students in the right direction. As a matter of fact, it's our responsibility to point them, to position them, to stage them while they're in this season of life, to condition them, put, their fin put our fingers on them, work with them, direct them, and to guide them. Ultimately, we want to point them in the direction of their purpose. Purpose is incredibly powerful and once we understand our purpose I've really been studying purpose here for a little bit and it's just resonated within my heart so much so our young people this generation needs to understand their purpose if they don't know their purpose we'll have a generation of wanderers they don't know where they're headed they don't know where they're going or how they get there they don't know who's going with them they don't know what they're going to wear. They don't know what they need, whatever they're going to get where they're going. The bottom line is they are wasting time and energy and their strength if they're operating outside of their purpose. And frankly, what we need, even ourselves, I'm talking to myself here, we all need to be more excited about our purpose than we are social media popularity for a moment. If we got more excited about our purpose than how many likes or friends we had on Facebook or followers we had on Twitter, it would greatly alter not only our lives, but frankly, every life that is connected to us. Our young people need to understand the importance of purpose in time, and you get them for a very limited season, whether it's middle school, high school, and perhaps college age years, if they stay with you throughout that particular time. But for them to understand their purpose and to operate in their purpose will greatly change some things. 
and when you look at the text, I want to be I want to be sensitive to time here. Um, but when you look at the text, it's phenomenal because purpose changes everything about you. Purpose changes the way we think. It changes the way we see things. It gives us understanding. And I want you to look at David here. I want you to go to that particular passage because David understood his purpose. Look at verse 20. It says that David rose up early in the morning and left with the sheep, oh, excuse me, and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. Now, right now, the one thing that as you're working with young people and you're working with youth workers and you're trying to figure out how do I equip all of them, I want to encourage you, I want you to look at this. Notice that David didn't just leave the sheep alone when he was on his assignment. He left the sheep under somebody's care. Now, he didn't just leave them under somebody's care. He left them under the keeper's care. There's no doubt in my mind that David trained this individual or individuals, if you will. He, I'm sure he was confident in this keeper and what they were going to do. In other words, David, I want you to kind of make a note of this, if you will. David understood responsibility, but David also understood the necessity. My pastor says this all the time, the responsibility to give ministry away. David was giving an opportunity to somebody else. He had positioned them to be successful. And when that opportunity had come, he had opened up the door and allowed them to take advantage of an opportunity and what David had done. Now, it's phenomenal because when you think about this, you're going to expose young people and young adults and youth workers, people on your team, to their purpose through opportunities to be faithful in the small things. I know tending sheep day in, day out is not glamorous, but if you will do that, in the small, if you'll do that consistently and faithfully, and if we can get our young people and our colleagues that we're working with on our teams, our volunteers, and those that are bivocational and those that are vocational ministers, if we can get them to understand, to be faithful in the day-in, day-out, mundane, routine opportunities, opportunities are going to come. Ministry and influence is going to expand this is really good here for me because David didn't prove his character in that one-time battle with Goliath, but it was day in and day out in the fields with the lion and the bear. I say that, say that it's in the little things that you and I prove ourselves capable of big things, and we do ourselves a disservice. We do our young people a disservice and the people we work with if we don't give them the opportunity to understand the responsibility of ministry, the responsibility of serving day in, day out, and giving ministry away. This doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the Lord. It's interesting because it was no accident that Paul said, according to my gospel. We understand it's Christ's gospel, but he was appropriating it unto himself. He, we have to learn, our young people have to learn, the people we work with have to learn this personal possessive pronoun. It's not just the gospel, it's my gospel. That's what Paul said, it's not just the sin. David said, it's my sin. My God shall supply all of my needs. It's not just the cross, it's my cross. It's not just the crown, it's my crown. It's yours, it's mine, it's ours. It's each of, it's each of us. It's my prayer life, it's my quiet time. It's my Friday night gathering. It's my Wednesday night gathering. It's my small group breakout. It's my worship. 
It's my responsibility. I think you get what I'm saying. It's my privilege. We want them to understand this. And as you get them to understand this, they will own this thing. They'll take it personally and begin to grow, grow this ministry. This is my empty row of seats, if you will. This is my Bible to read. This is my day to worship God. This is my day to testify. This is my day to serve, if you will. Something else that left out at me in this text, stay in verse 20. It says here that he went as Jesse had commanded him. He came to the trench, and as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. We understand that there is power in submission. We are to be submitted ultimately and obviously to the lordship of Jesus Christ. But then we're to be submitted to our spiritual leaders and to one another. If we really want to grow, or if we really want to see the ministries that we're connected to grow, then we have to be submitted. This totally flies in the face of selfishness and pride. Because typically it's like, me first, my way, and don't you dare think about telling me what to do. Especially <laughs> when you work with parents. But you got to understand, and I can say this as a parent with a teenager now, in, or preteen, but she's in youth ministry. Mia is the, one of the most important people on the planet to Sarah and I. She is incredibly precious to us. So we want to know what's happening. We want to know what's going on. And as you model submission to parents, then kids begin to see and understand the importance and the blessing that flows with that. There's power in submission. I want to encourage you to make sure that you're submitted to one another, that you're modeling submission not only to your spiritual leadership, to your pastor, obviously, but to the team and to one another. Something else that left out at me here, if you look at verse 22 of this same text, David left his carriage in the hand, obviously of another keeper of the carriage, and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. This here lets me know that David understood there was a way to do things. And we need to teach our young people, those that are on our team, there is a way that we do things. There are systems and there are processes that we have implemented in order for us to strategically experience spirit-led victory. Teach them to enjoy systems and processes. Teach them to enjoy the journey. Nobody wants to enjoy the process. We believe, especially in this day and age, that everything happens overnight. But we understand nothing happens overnight. It's day in, day out. We would, Frankly, we would all make, uh, <laughs> I don't know, we might have some farmers on the call, <laughs> but this generation, the mindset, we would all make horrible farmers because we are not patient people. But when you embrace systems and processes and you understand there is a process and there's a way to do things and you embrace that, if they would embrace that, the blessing that would come from that, and then also they understand that this is not built on a personality or on an individual. This is bigger than myself. This is bigger than my agenda. We've got something here that will help harness and guide our efforts. And when the Lord takes me somewhere else, there's somebody else that I've trained up and put in a position to succeed, just like David did. He understands or she understands the protocol of the systems and processes. A couple of other things I want to mention, and I'll, I'll hurry. The covenant. You look at verse 26. David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? And take away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? 
David understood, we have to understand in particular in this day and age, that we are in covenant with Jesus Christ. And we don't have to back down, bow down, shy away, cower in any way for what Jesus Christ has done in our lives and who he means to us. Now is the time for the church to stand up. And if we're not careful, we're getting distracted by everything else. This is why people understand when they're driving, what's the number one culprit for accidents today? It's texting, on the phone, or eating. It's distractions. I'll tell you a quick story, and then I'm wrapping up as I have a few minutes left. We were recently, as I told you at the beginning of the call, we were traveling to Virginia. Well, uh, my wife and I, I'm in an interracial marriage, and I've been exposed to different types of uh, racism individually. Uh, never, though, had the two of us been exposed to, to this at the same time. We were traveling, and uh, my, my wife and daughter had, gone into uh, gone into a particular establishment and uh, my son and I we were kind of in the car getting ready to go and so anyway we went in later after them and we were immediately greeted and told that we weren't welcome and that we needed to leave right away and I, it was funny my little boy was with, he was kind of puzzled he's 10 and I, I, I just I understood I understood why we weren't welcome not only by the tone and tenor <laughs> but by the look and so we turned around and we left. Um, and then uh, my wife, she she came back out and was getting together. I shared with her what happened. She went in, and, of course, she had a few things to say before I could even drive out of the, the parking lot. <laughs> and then we, we ran into something else immediately after that. We were, we were, I was getting gas, and, man, it was so crazy. Uh, somebody else had made just, just a racial slur right at me as I was getting gas and got in the car, and we were leaving, and, I was just, she and I were just talking. We were so passionate about what we were talking about, so bothered by it. And we're just driving and talking about the value of the church and thankful for the church. And before we, before I realized it, an hour and a half had gone by, and I'm driving north, at least I think I am. And then I see a sign that says, Welcome to the Sunshine State. And I thought to myself, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. But the Holy Ghost spoke to me at that point in time and said, Akil, you've allowed yourself to be distracted. If you look at verse 28, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. He says, why have you come down here? And I'm just paraphrasing now. Why have you left those few sheep? He's insulting him. You're going to have small-minded people. You're going to have people that are going to accuse you and people that are going to uh, do everything that they can to disfigure you and harm you and talk about you. Uh, and your young people are going to experience that, especially as they're trying to live for Jesus Christ in a gospel-hostile culture. They may be experiencing it in their own home, but they do not need to get distracted from where they are headed. We are pilgrims passing through. We have an agenda and a mission, and it is for the kingdom, and we are to take as many souls with us as we can. Don't be distracted by small-minded people. And the next thing I want to say, and I'll close on this note, is when David, when David says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Notice, the moment David tried to do something bigger than himself, the moment he tried to do something bigger than himself is when he transitioned from being the shepherd of sheep, or a few sheep, as his brother would like to say, to now being in a position to it launched a trajectory for him to get ready to lead the people 
of Israel. I want to encourage you to make sure that you're giving your young people and you're giving those people that are on your teams an opportunity to be a part of something that is bigger than themselves. Because the moment it becomes bigger than themselves, everything will shift. God will begin to show up in supernatural ways and extraordinary things will begin to happen. So in short, I want to recap and give you a few principles that left out at me. I hope they leap out or hope they're a blessing to you. We want to encourage our young people, our, the team that we serve with, and ourselves to be people of responsibility. Two, we want to be submitted. Three, we want to embrace protocol systems and processes. Four, we never want to forget our covenant with Jesus Christ. Five, don't let others distract you. And six, pursue something bigger than yourself. God bless you. I hope that this has added some value and spoke to some of you that are on this call. Thank you for the privilege to be a part. Thank you so much, Brother Thompson. Uh, Justin Ranking here. I want to leave just a few uh, five, ten minutes here of some question and answer. We have some questions to ask you related to this topic. Thank you so much. A wonderful, wonderful talk. Appreciate your time. Um, when you're talking about young people being involved in something that is bigger than themselves and your experience as a student pastor, what are some leadership tasks that you can or that student pastors can delegate to their young people that will help them to grow to, uh, as you said in the story of the example of David, the thing that, what can they get involved in that's bigger than themselves? What kind of leadership tasks? Absolutely. I appreciate you asking that. I would look at it was our goal, in particular when I was a youth pastor, to at some point, we, we wanted to sit back and really be a security blanket for the young people, for them to have such ownership that they were driving every single facet of the particular gathering, event planning, whatever the case may be. We would invite them to be a part of monthly meetings. We would share resources. They would be a part of the planning of calendars and events whether it be Bible studies, all of the transitions in service uh, that we would have. Uh, and I'm not an uber creative, so as a matter of fact, I, I, what we did was really simple. But I would look for opportunities in which you can give ministry away and give them the freedom, empower them when you give it away, give them the freedom to be able to do that through their own interpretive lens. So if you allow them, for example, it was when we... I don't know how popular these are in this particular day and age, but I know the crowd breakers, man, mixers, the icebreakers, when we would do outrageous games, when we would try to facilitate them ourselves as a team member, the response, you always had a few young people, it depends upon your audience, middle school kids, we know they're going to go berserk and do what they're ready. High school kids, they're too cool, man. They're, they're like, wait, wait a second. But when it's one of their peers that are doing it, it totally changes the complexion of the engagement and their response. So, now, I, I would just encourage them in every facet in very practical ways. That's what we did. It worked well for us. Hopefully there are ways just like that in a particular context that will help them. I hope that helps, Brother Justin. Yes, sir. And I think that can help with some who may feel like they don't have a large team and can prevent the Lone Ranger syndrome by allowing some of the young people passing it along. Um, Another question here is, what kind of qualities would you look for in a young person that identify them as potential leaders, um, some, some that you might spend a little bit extra time pouring into? Absolutely. Uh, now, I'm nobody, but as I'm kind of on the, 
I'd say halftime, if you want. It's a book by Bob Buford. But nonetheless, I just turned 40. Uh, so I'm at a point where I'm kind of like, you know what? I don't have time to really spend time with what I call leaky people, people with just buckets with holes. <laughs> and so I would look for young people. First of all, now let me say this. I want to be clear. Don't ever overlook any of them. Uh, I'm thankful nobody overlooked me. I want to be clear about that and believed in me. Uh, so I don't believe, I think if they show an interest, even if it's just for a moment or a spark, you throw gas on that bad boy and you breathe life into it and you speak life. I think oftentimes young people are dealing with such an emotional metamorphosis, physical, uh, spiritual, they're trying to grow. There's such an uncertainty in the turbulency of adolescence that uh, that can sometimes be very uh, shaky for them. But if we will continue to affirm them, I think they'll feel more settled and safe to pursue some of the things they feel led to do. So I, the first thing I look for are two things. I look for loyalty because I'm fiercely loyal to my man of God. I want them to be loyal to the spiritual leadership that they have. The second thing that I believe is another key attribute that they should possess is faithfulness. Just showing up. Now, not just showing up and being there, but I'm talking about showing up and being present, being engaged, having a good attitude, a pleasant disposition. If I see those things, then I believe that we've got great biblical attributes to work with and to really build. And hopefully it's my hope that as, uh, as in, my, in my experiences, when we, when we poured into those kids, that influence and those characteristics were just fostered and, and grew in others. Yes, sir. Now, when you're talking about loyalty and faithfulness um, and we're pouring into young people, obviously, and young leaders, there are unfortunately times where young leaders may fail, whether morally, spiritually, disappoint us. Um, from your experience, obviously, leaving out major details, what have you ever had to experience that? How, as a leader, did you handle that and help the group move on? Or uh, have you had, did you have any experience in that? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you asking. And we have. Um, and young people are, you know, first of all, we all have issues. And I think when I look in the mirror, um, I think we can also convey, when I look in the mirror, I recognize I've got my own set of issues. I think we can convey a level of authenticity and transparency to where, um, they don't run away from the church, but they understand the church to be a safe place. When they make a mistake, whether it be accidental, it just be a moment of weakness, or be intentional. I think whenever you are correcting, if correction destroys, then you miss the purpose, the objective. Correction should always restore and build up, because the Lord loves those who he chastens. And so for us, I think it's really important that we that whenever we're trying to enforce, enforce might be a, a poor choice of word, but whenever we're trying to shape out what somebody's plan of restoration will look like, I think we need to keep in mind that we, that's the objective, to restore, to build up, to renew. Um, and that the nuances of that, depending upon uh, the transgression or what took place, will vary as to how you handle it if it's if it's public and everybody knows what's going on if you're able to keep that private and work with that individual one-on-one uh, -on -one. so I think the key for me is and what's really helped me is just to know that we all need the grace and mercy of God and I'm not here the devil is going to certainly do his job 
He understands his purpose. His purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. He's going to do his job. So as my part, if I'm going to do my job, I've got to be a minister of reconciliation. You who are spiritual, restore one another in meekness is what the scripture says. I hope that helps. Yes, sir, I think it does. We have a, a question uh, here from Twitter. Someone asking here, how do you recommend leading students that don't necessarily display any of the obvious leadership characteristics to their purpose? How do you pull things out of people that you can't see it necessarily on the outside initially? That's a great, that's a great question. I think this is where you have to have a tremendous team. And this is where it's all about relationships. Because in relationships, so many things will manifest themselves in a number of different ways that you would not see in a large gathering. Frankly, even if you have, uh, when I first started in youth ministry, <laughs> I had four, four kids, man. It was back in the day. We took a Polaroid. And I remember casting vision and so forth and so on, and I was so excited. And we had a team. But even then, I took, I encouraged my team to spend time with those young people. And we had such a strong bond, such a strong connection that, it wasn't just up to me I, to, to kind of see and to sift through the potential um, and possibilities that were perhaps hidden beneath the surface. So what I would encourage is it's those relationships. If you are able to attract a really good team, and I would encourage, let me just say this, you want to have some parents on your team. Now, all of your parents need to be on your team behind you. You're all headed in the same direction, trying to achieve the same goal. But... I would encourage you, we always had um, some parents that were a part of our, our student ministry team that had you know, students in their family, but they were in our ministry. They themselves had already begun to develop that, uh, that parental instinct you know, that we didn't have when we didn't have kids uh, of just seeing beneath the surface, seeing potential and listening and, and, and developing a certain list, a way to listen and to reflectively listen and to kind of read between the lines, if you will. When you have some parents that can help you with that, that really hones in your discernment, if you will, and your ability to kind of uncover some things. So I, I think I, uh, to make a long story short, I just want to encourage you, I think the way that you do it is through relationship and you have a number of people on your team investing and spending time with these young people and then opportunities come up and then it's up to them to expose them. Sometimes it's just exposure that will awaken something, not only to us, alert us to something, or it's exposing that young person to an opportunity, and it just ignites a passion with them. And they're like, this is what I was called to do. I want to do this. Thank you, Brother Thompson. This is Michael Enzi. Appreciate the ranking, Brother Thompson, leading us in this time of question and answer. Just some tremendous insight, Brother Thompson, and tremendous content tonight. We appreciate him joining us to be a part of the community call. Youth workers, would you help us to promote this resource? Uh, I know there are many that still have not heard about the opportunity to join us for these conference calls, and we would love to have them a part of this. Promote the podcast that is available following tonight's call. Uh, they'll be able to download and listen to this call Tremendous information from Brother Thompson. Again, we appreciate him joining us. Our next call will take place on Tuesday, January the 10th. We typically aim for the first Tuesday night of the month, but we're having to bump that back the second week because of our midwinter committee meetings the first week of January. 
and we'll be looking forward to having Youth Pastor Kevin Raposo on the call with us. He's going to be talking about leading with a big mentality. Even if you don't have a large youth group, you can have a big mentality. It's the way that you do things, and so we encourage you to be a part of that call on Tuesday, January the 10th. We are just nine days away from our Apostolic Youth Corps global application deadline. Please encourage your older teenagers and young adults to look into AYC. It is absolutely a life-changing missions endeavor. Uh, they still have a little bit more time to apply for North American trips. That deadline is January the 15th. We're also just 27 days away from the North American Youth Congress 2017 Hotel Reservation Launch. That'll take place on Monday, January the 2nd at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. And just to remind everyone, there's been a few changes this year related to our registration and hotel reservation process. You have to reserve your rooms through the NAYC Housing Bureau, and you'll find more information about that on our website. You have to use Connections Housing. Uh, everyone must regis register this year, and in order to register, you need to book to block a room through the NAYC website. So please check that out, NorthAmericanYouthCongress.com for more information. We hope that you have a wonderful December, a great Christmas season. Remember the reason for the season. It is all about Jesus Christ, the gift that He gave, a gift of salvation, of deliverance. We have much to celebrate and much to be thankful for. Why don't we pray as we conclude our call tonight. Lord, we thank You for this time that we have had together. We thank you for the ministry of Brother Thompson, for the wisdom, the insight that he has shared with us tonight from the life of David. Help us to apply those things that we have heard tonight to be the leaders that you have called us to be, to empower our students, to enable them, to give them opportunity to serve you, to fulfill their purpose in your kingdom. I pray for our youth workers tonight, for our youth ministries. Lord, in this busy holiday season, help us to keep you at the forefront of everything that we do. We give you praise. We give you glory for it all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Once again, thank you all for joining us tonight. Until next month's call, may God richly bless you. Good night. You have been listening to The Community Call. For other great youth resources, be sure to check out thecommunity.com. Thank you for joining us, and have a great night.